This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Muck Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Muck Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result... You'll always be winning with muck delivery, just like Leicester City this season. So the only thing left to say is, you win. Order now on the McDonald's app. And you can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants 18 plus. Rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. And now for something completely different. Watch us on YouTube. Listen on your favourite podcast platform. Or ask your smart speaker to play the podcast Lester Till I Die. Subscribe, like, follow and join in now. Strap yourself in. Because we're set up, switched on and ready to go. Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Right, Chris. All right, oi. There we go. That's a good start, isn't it? There, there you go. You can see me now. Yeah, you probably have heard it before. I know, I know. Good evening, good afternoon, good morning, good day, good night, wherever you are in the world. Thank you for joining uh, in Leicester Till I Die TV on YouTube and Twitch or Leicester Till I Die. If you are listening on your favourite podcast platform, we welcome you wherever you are watching or listening to us. It is another one in the series of The Conversation. Um, I've got to say, I'm really thankful to this uh, my guest for coming on today. Uh, it's a bit of role reversal. 
not role play, but then again, we'll see how the show goes. And uh, say good, well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good day to Paul. Oh, don't be giving me that. Don't be giving me that. Come on, you irons. Come on, you irons. (laughs) We'll see on the last day of the season. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And what it says is, I mean, we've had, you've had some fantastic results in the past five, six years. Premier League, FA Cup, Europe. Mm. We've been on a less a less pleasant journey. The last time we wanted to have note, I reckon, was 1980. We managed to uh, win the FA Cup somehow, magically, from the second tier. But, you know, that's football. As Ferguson once said, football. Bloody hell, eh? That's it. That's it. That sums it up. It is. It does. And, I mean, I, I said, I've always said, well, everybody said, sort of following Leicester is uh, a bit of a roller coaster ride because you have the ups and downs. We've, I think, Joint with Manchester City, we've been promoted out the second tier. We used to be able to call it the second division, didn't we? But it's the second tier now, more times than any other club. But, of course, on the downside, it means we've been relegated. Yeah. (laughs) Exactly, you know. And uh, this season, we sat there below uh, a certain club from, or just up the own one from us that play in red. Uh, I don't know. I I can't say, I can't bring myself to say the name, uh, Close to Notts County, let's just put it that way. <laughs> but uh, look, before we get on to the, the football, which we will do... Second, though, but in, in, with that in mind, then you mm. surely want to thank my side and Paul David Moyes for engineering that amazing, we needed it, 4-0 drubbing at the London Stadium. Come on, you irons! I, well, I would have, I was going to come on to that, but let, let's do that now. Yes, thank you very much. Um uh, we needed that <laughs> probably more than you did. But hey, we um, did, we really needed it. I mean, we were we were battling with you know Southampton and Bournemouth to be the you know, the quickest exit out. I'm I'm still I'm still really nervous as all football fans are. A week yeah. and a half ago on Talk Sport because I do the overnight show, I was yeah. saying we are going down. No two ways about it. I've still got that horrible feeling, and it's not magical thinking. I know sometimes football fans say the worst, hoping by saying it out loud it won't happen. I just mm. think I really have. To, I'm, I'm struggling thinking of three sides that are worse than us. I think Southampton are going down, with all respect to the Saints. Yes. Maybe Bournemouth. But other than that, it's, I mean, you know, I think I, don't, I think Leicester will be all right. I'm pretty sure Everton will be all right. They've got that kind of talismanic feel to them, Everton. I think, I mean, you know... I don't know. When I look at the table now... Down. Yeah, when I look at the table now, I'm, I'm not... I'm not sure. I mean, the three I predicted to go down at the start of the season, I must admit, was Southampton, Bournemouth and Leeds in, in yeah. any particular order. I think Leeds have been dragged down into it. I'm a bit sad about Bournemouth and Southampton because I live just outside Bournemouth, so they're two teams I can get to to watch when we play them. Um, but I mean, let, let's well, let's start with the football side first, and we'll come on to sort of your, your, your as Wikipedia say, your media personality side uh, afterwards. <laughs> you, know? uh, you do because you do well. Well, let, let's mix it up a little bit. Let's mix it up because you do do the um, talk radio stroke talk sport overnight show. That's what we're on from one till five. It's the vampire shift, and I'm on from. Yes, uh, I get in. I get in the night before. We do a couple of pre-records. We can't expect everybody to stay up till the wee small hours, but we do lots of because we're all over the world. And this thing called serious. We get lots of interviewees from the states, from Australia, Canada, New Zealand, and lots of Brits abroad. There's a guy who texts or uh, tweets us regularly called uh, Berlin Badger. He's down under, and of course he's a West Ham fan, the old Berlin ground. Yeah. So we, I think we get. It's, it's an interesting. Oh, it's feel like we're like kind of early afternoon telly in New Zealand, uh, radio in New Zealand. It's that kind of mm. setup. We're breakfast telly in Malaysia, or breakfast radio in Malaysia. Yes. So it's just, but, you know, it, what, what's great is, don't say this too loudly, we're on talk radio as well, so we talk about movies, we talk about books, 
We talk about, you know, weird and wonderful gadgets that are coming out. And not many of the bosses listen regularly. So we kind of get away with sort of... <laughs> well, I can I just say, you have some amazing guests on as well. Yeah. Uh, and Chris, <laughs> we have some great guests than you, Chris. Cheers, <laughs> oh, mate. Cheers. Thank you so much. Because we've got a bit of time. a four-hour show. And we have the, but we only have the news once an hour, the sport once. And if it's breaking news, of course, which yeah, means that yeah. we, we have time for more of a debate. And we do a, a weekly feature. Um, we have, I think, on Game Day Live on TalkSport. We get, you know, our first game of the day is always live. And only, the only question we've got on the radio is on TalkSport. And we try and get a proper representative, a fan, but also somebody who's like yourself in broadcasting on the more, yeah. you know, the kind of, you can take a step back and be honest about the club. And we, we put the two teams up against each other, not for a really kind of raucous head to head, but just for no. an honest appraisal. Cause nobody knows the team's weaknesses, like somebody no. who supports that team. We're more aware of it and we can be more honest about it. So it's the kind of thing we could do slightly differently to the rest of the talk sport because we've just got that bit more time. So, you know, yeah. still nothing on the show. I mean, I've got the attention span of a magpie. Who are you again? No. And in fact, nothing on the show lasts more than 10, 12 minutes. But compared to what happens on a lot of talk sports, it's kind of hurry up and finish. You know, they're always saying just quickly. Andy Goldstein's catchphrase on the drive show is just quickly because they've got no yeah. time between all the ad breaks, between all the guests, because breaking news. Whereas we can be a bit more leisurely. We're basically yeah. radio for the security guard, the lorry driver, and those maybe with a drinking problem. Yeah. Which one are you, Chris? Which one are you? Well, I, was waiting, I was waiting for you to say insomniac, but I will take the drinking problem. I think that's the closest. I, I, it's true what you say, though, about the attention span, because I'm absolutely addicted to YouTube, because I can watch something on there for 10 minutes, and then that's it. I've had enough. Um, and that's sort of the average length of a YouTube <laughs> video, like potted history in 10 minutes of the Second World War. That'll do. The thing is, though, with me, I love... I mean, I, I love... I love a long film. One of my favourite films of all time, yeah. Lawrence of Arabia. I like I like that film recently called Babylon about the early days of Hollywood. That was three hours long, and I like massive old doorstops. I, I read a lot. I've got massive old doors. Mm. You know, I like, I, genuinely, when I get yeah. into something like War and Peace or Ulysses, I'm there. But when it's something like an interview and I'm talking to somebody, I kind of feel if they're not get, if they're not coming across quickly, I'm going to lose the audience. So in that way, it's going to be bam, bam, particularly on commercial radio, bam, bam, bam. Of course, yes, yeah. Well, you started on telly, though, didn't you, all those years ago? Um... Well, I mean, I, I initially, after uni, I was the first in my family to go to uni because I, I was a comprehensive mm. boy. My dad was a lorry driver. Mum was a kind of, you know, well, they, well, they call it as a homemaker, basically. She looked after yeah. I'm the oldest of six kids, basically. So she had a lot on her plate. And uh, after uni, I went and trained on local papers down in the West Country. So I got a proper, everything was about getting qualifications. And I was a, I did 100 words a minute shorthand. I could touch type and all that stuff. But I never really wanted to get the fleet straight because I didn't, I didn't think I was, if I'm being honest, I didn't think I was kind of enough of a vulture. I mean, there's a thing, that, you know, it's, it's, it, don't, we all love reading those papers, but you've got to be fairly brutal to work on those. Because I was always fascinated by television and fascinated mm. by the notion of being making current affairs television. So I got a job as, managed to get a job as a researcher at London Weekend Television, working for Greg Dyke, who went on to run the BBC for a while. Then he nearly bought Man United, he was on the ball there, um, yeah. and kind of moved up through telling behind the cameras, though. So in that sense, because when I joined telly, I mean, here's one for the teenagers. Well, I, I got my first job in telly, 1982, right? There were only three TV channels, no channel yes. for them, got a job, yeah. and there was no overnight telly and no breakfast telly. All that happened in 82 yeah. when I arrived. So you think, to get, get a job there was like mm. basically discovering gold next to yes. the body of a skeleton of Kimmich with a third in Leicester's car park. It's one of those, yeah. it was so rare. So, you know, I realised, but then it was a very different TV industry. It's a union-closed shop. 
Yeah. It was effectively, unless you, unless you did something stupid, it was a job for life or a job for you as long as you wanted it to be. Yeah. And it tended to promote people very quickly because the hours were ridiculous. So by John at 25, um, by the time I was 27, I was a producer. Um, and then I gradually kind of almost by the back door snuck into presenting, partly because um, two things happened. One was there was a tele explosion. Channel 4 came along and they wanted different programs. They don't make their yeah. own shows, Channel 4. They, they buy it for people. So they're a publisher. They wanted to yeah. programs made. And also, I can't knock it, my third brother down, Jonathan, um, actually, you know, became, he had a little job. I've got to help get him his first job in television as a researcher. He's a natural yeah. on the camera. He suddenly he had this idea for a show with his mate called The Last Resort, like a, a basically yeah, a, yeah. Um, a late night, a David Letterman show. They yeah. couldn't get people to present it. They went around all kinds of all shows of comedians who told the push off. Jonathan did the pilot. Channel 4 said, you're a bit of a beginner, but you got something. And when Jonathan became a star, I think they looked at me and thought, we've got our own Ross, who's older and shorter and uglier, but he's cheaper. So I began presenting. <laughs> but I've got, I mean, for those of us of a certain age, remember this. I've got to ask you because you, you were, uh, was it an editor uh, for The Word? Well, the thing was, I never, I never really, I haven't produced anything. For, I, I worked with Anton Deck last as a producer. That was about, I did a Christmas special with him 10 years ago. Wow. And that was great fun. But I, I always, I always produced and presented and wrote for newspapers. I had like columns on a, magazine, a posh magazine, Tap, where I did a column for for years. Because I love, the thing about it is, producing is where you have the fun, right? If you're yeah. a producer, it's your show. But the presenter is the face of the magazine cover. If you're a presenter, people get you a cup of coffee. If you're a producer, you make your own coffee, but you're telling the, the presenter what to do. It's a negotiation. You're not a bully. Yeah, yeah. And I always yeah. thought that. So I, I, I produced a show called The Six O'Clock Show. Uh, I then worked for The Word for two years, which was amazing because it was like... It, 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 amazing. We, I mean, we could, we could be live from anywhere in the world. We had three bands playing live every week. Well, two playing absolutely live and one singing live to track that they recorded. Yeah. Um, we had amazing, we, we did a thing called The Hopefuls. People kept writing to me and saying, I'd do anything to be on telly, get me on your show. So he said, right, would you let a live slug crawl across your tongue? And they did. Would you snog a granny? They did. I mean, I was the one I was going to yeah. mention. Would, would you, I mean, we, 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 had, I mean, we found, I said, well, I've got, I had this vision of somebody eating a bowl with milk and sugar on it of some of other people's toenails. Right, so we found that we went around. We found a cooperative. She said, "I do the old people's homes in this, this part of London." My dog's crying. Come here, dog. Come here. We do the old people's homes. So we gather the toenails up, and we then found out to purify them to make sure they weren't uh, poisonous. You put them in that like nappy solution, then you rinse them. We did that, and they were very soft. Right. So said, I wanted the crunch. Dog's barking there. So then somebody said, "Why don't we microwave them?" So we microwaved old age collectors toenails. And fed them to somebody, put sugar and milk on them, and then a bowl of them and said, I'll do anything I'll put to be on television. And he had other people. So that, that was, that was, oh, here he is. Come on, Dolly. And they Come say, they say, oh, whoops, and Bernard. Come here, buddy. Come here, buddy. Come here. I used to have children. I lost one in the summer. He died, sadly. Oh, sorry. He's a rescue, that. but love, aren't you? Yeah. Lovely boy, dog. But they say entertainment is <laughs> dead, eh? <laughs> I've got the phone. Yeah. Go on. I'm going to ask you about one thing. Um, you did. This sounds like probably the best show you could ever work on. Sure. Uh, the good set. The good. The good sex guide abroad. Well, I was a reporter on that, and it was an ITV show. I remember that, and I. There are a few of us. Be quiet, doggy. Um, I think you might want to go out. I might have to let him out. But I, I, I went yeah, to no. South Africa and interviewed somebody who was working in a township. And would basically make potions for you if you either make somebody fall in love with you, get inside somebody's pants, or else to if you were not able to, if like the Royal Mail when they're on strike, if you weren't able to deliver 
They believe that it was involved basically crushed bits of frog's anatomy. It's quite how that would get you hopping. Come on, 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 Sorry about that. So he's here. No, 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 getting the attention. He wanted to. No way. Yeah, but the, 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 the weird thing that was, it was when it was when South Africa was starting to be liberalised, and right. so they got rid of apartheid, and brothels had become legalised, and we went mm. to one that was like, it was like being inside Peter Stringfellow's head, if that makes sense, because they had a number of. It's a big motel, had themed rooms, so you could pick whoever you wanted to do the horizontal mambo with. And then, um, obviously, I was only, only there as a reporter. And the scenarios include you could be in the back of a 54 Cadillac at a driving movie. You could be in outer space. And the person that you were with was some kind of alien. I mean, it's in, there was a bouncy castle. Uh, there was a room where you could, if you wanted to, kind of gunge each other. And this was, uh, but it was like, it was, because it's a very, they're a very frank nation. I mean, they're mainly Dutch, aren't they? The white people, they came from Dutch, yeah, yeah. the Boers. And so they're very frank. So I, I quite like it when she rubs jelly all over me. And then I pretend I'm on a dessert table and she's going to eat me up. It was all that kind of thing. So interesting. But um, interesting That's that so you crazy. picked on that one, Chris. I was hoping <laughs> that was only one tiny bit of my career. That's the one that tickled your trout. Well, of course. I couldn't resist asking that. Is it available on YouTube? Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, think it's I think it's available on Red Hot and Dutch. <laughs> oh, that, that's premium. We've got to pay for There's that. one for the teenage babe station. Is that still going? <laughs> but um, <coughs> the other thing that we remember, well, I remember you for uh, the big breakfast on Channel Four. The best. Well, was, and again, that was ever. Like a lot of things in my life, that was pure luck. I mean, the, the company yeah. that made the big breakfast made the word. I knew right. the boss of the, of the company. I went and worked and did the word. And Mark Lamar was presenting on the word for me with Terry mm. Christian. Katie Patrick and Daddy Bear. And Mark was doing also, he's working like a dog, Mark. I still see him in case, a lovely fellow, Mark, a very bright man, yeah. great comedian. But he's kind of retired from that. And he was doing the, the word and the big breakfast, and he got sick. And it was a week before Christmas, and he was ill, genuinely. So Charlie, and I'd already started presenting a very serious police appeal show, like a crime watch in London called Crime Monthly. And you know, and I knew, I knew it to do it. So Charlie Parsons, and I said, Would you, could you help us out? So I did a week of it. And Mark had already decided he wanted to leave. So literally, I went out and did, I did four days, five days, where are you, Paul? And I was all over the country. And yeah. then I got the job for six months. And on the back of that, I then presented in the house for six months. So all in all, and, and reverse, so all in all, I was there for about, for about 18 months. But it was great because, I mean, you know, all my family are grafters. So I would do that in the morning. I would then go and do a radio show afterwards. And then quite often, I started presenting game shows for the BBC. And we'd knock those off in the evening. So, I mean, the tax man loved me for about three years. If only I'd put more money by for the tax man, I hadn't got my second divorce. I might be talking to you from a, 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 a manor house there. But no, it's great fun. Also, the thing with the Big Breakfast was, it was, TV is very odd, right? It, the, mm. it was groundbreaking. It was anarchic. Yeah. It was like tis was every morning. But the, when it started to work, everybody else nicked bits from it. So within mm. a year and a half, two years, it felt a little bit passe. Because yeah. suddenly, that was a word. It was standing up with a word, right? We did an item on the word about a man who needed an important part of his body lengthened and we filmed the operation and it caused a big fury at the time for all the national newspapers because part of my job of the word was Channel 4 slogan there was TV to talk about. And I was yeah. my brief was I had to get one of our stories or something about the word in every Sunday paper. 
and we normally managed it. And that's, we didn't always only go for extreme stuff, we had controversial items as well. But so we had this, within two years, this morning, did that uh, the daytime show. So the trouble you're pushing the boundaries is everybody yeah. else follows in your wake. So after, I mean, the word ran for five years, so I did two of them, or four years, I think. Which I had a fantastic time doing it. I and mean, the great thing was it was a huge train set to play with. But it kind of spoiled me for other shows because apart from the Anton Deck show I produced, the Christmas special with Robbie Williams, nothing else has had that much money to do what you wanted, if that makes sense. No, no. And I couldn't, I thought, well, I don't really, producing is, you know, presenting show and go. You know, you turn up, you, you know, you, you're present to people, you do what you're told, you, you get your briefs read, you, you're meant to be across the subject, you talk to people on the phone. Producing, you're there 24 hours a day. And I thought, well, I don't, if I'm doing it and I've had, I've had the ability to be live from anywhere in the world, had the biggest Hollywood stars. I mean, we, we, it was, we, I did it 91 to about 93, 94. We had Pamela Anderson on the show twice. I mean, she was like the biggest female star on planet Earth. Oh, I remember Pamela Anderson. So that kind of thing. And, and after that, to think, well, if I'm going to go back to doing, I don't know, presenting, good though it is, Countdown or something. It's, you know, I thought that's too much hassle and not enough. Not, you know, the money would have been fine, but it's not enough juice. And I was yeah. offered more and more presenting. And I started to do more and more radio, which is great because... A, people have always said I've got a great face for radio, but also it's it's always there, radio. TV, you can make a lot of money, can film a sum. I mean, I did 130 episodes of, a, of Jeopardy for Sky oh, Television. Yes. Yeah. So the whole summer, we did six a day, filmed it in uh, Nottingham, in fact, the place you don't like to mention, and uh, the old Central Studios. But then I, it was they showed those over two years. So I, I didn't do another game show for that time. So you couldn't, I couldn't live off that money. I've got five kids two ex-wives, all that kind of stuff going on. <clears throat> but radio was always that. And I love radio because, because TV's always about tiny bits, isn't it? The mm. word, it, word had four, three air breaks and it was, you know, 20 minutes apart and all that kind of stuff. As I said in radio, it's a four-hour show. Now, we've got to hit the news at the top of the hour. We've got to have some air breaks, but it's much more fluid. It's like you and me having this conversation. You know, yes. it's like kind of... And, and that appealed to me because I, I, you know, love the sound of my own voice, but also I thought it's, it's one of those... It's kind of insidious medium, isn't it, radio? You can listen to it any part of the house. If you download exactly. our apps on TalkSport, which are free, or Virgin, or, or Talk TV, have it with you wherever you go. And I think we're able now, like you said about YouTube, you, we can filter stuff out. So I might be listening. You know, I'm, I'm not big on cricket. I've never played at school. We did football schools we ever played. And um, so if, if, if I'm listening to, say, Hawksby and Jacobs, <clears throat> the afternoon show on TalkSport, and they're doing cricket, <clears throat> I might filter that out. I'm half an ear across it. As soon as they mention that I'm interested in boxing or football, bang, I'm back in there. So that's why radio is a fascinating medium. And that's why, I'm, I mean, I've, I've worked in radio solidly, done telly, dipped in and out. I did this morning for a long time. I was a showbiz reporter and fronted it a few times. Yeah. But I've been doing radio now since probably, well, I mean, my God, it's got to be over, I mean, terrifying. It's got to be over 30 years now. <laughs> I must have been, it must have been, the late 80s, I started doing it because I used to. A big mate of mine is Danny Baker, Millwall fan, great football oh, yeah, yeah, as yeah, well, yeah. great yeah. writer. And I went in with him, he, he presented on BBC London Radio, and I used to go in with him because I was his mate and hang around. And then he was off one week and he said to me, Why don't you do it? So they had a word with the boss, and I, again, I lucked into that. I've been very lucky in that way. I kind of bumbled into it, and I could, you know, I was never going to be as good as Danny Baker, but I mm -hmm. wasn't, I was better than some of the other people, maybe, that I'm considering it, and probably cheaper because I had other jobs. <laughs> I read somewhere you prefer the radio to television. I do for that reason. I also think because if you're making television, the, the kind of TV I make, which is kind of sort of current affairs or popular culture, or like, you know, the closest I've got to entertainment shows is the Ant and Dex show. But even there, the producer has the fun. You slot the bits of the jigsaw together. Ant and Dex are great. They're more than just presenters. But 
yeah. being a lot to the party they're fantastic but you're making you're moving chess pieces around them radio you can do you have a producer and you have people on the phone smaller team you get to know each other and trust each other and yeah. when the red light goes on as you know chris you're the king they said it don't they in american way they say when the red light's on the host is king because yeah. you've got them coming in and dragging you away from it it's your you know anything on your mind any phone calls you want to make the oddest mm. you know you must know it's, i mean the, the oddest things i'll say something you know really you know what was that me the other day i pulled into my service station and it's like one minute past 11 and all the food stuff was shut, only sandwiches. I'm thinking, these things used to be the places as a kid. My mate who had a car, Philip Green, we'd all go to and it would be exotic to go to the motorway service stations beyond Heathrow Airport, out there on the M4 it would have been, because they, they you know, could get something to eat or get a drink at midnight. Those days are gone. And people started phoning in with their best and worst service stations. So that kind of thing, because it's what's, what's on people's mind, whatever it is. And that's what makes it great for a sports phoning show, because everyone's got opinions. I'm yeah. on air when... I mean, when people make the long trek back, when people went back, headed back from Fulham to Leeds, yeah. I mean, mm. you know, and, and what are they going to do? They're in the car, there's three or four of them normally, they're spelling the driving, and they're in the radio show. And you get an amazing, you could, for me, to, the audience figures we get, I mean, I, I never know exactly how many people are listening, but the, you, you, make, you make thousands of phone calls to find good people if you're doing it from your end. Those people phone us. They yeah. know what's they know, you know, it's always the it's always the bloke in the car who's the entertainer, it's always the bloke you better phone in Colin, you've got that story about X, Y, and Z happened, and that's where we get great stories throughout the day on Talksport because everybody's got a story. A lot of people don't want to tell their story, but those who do tell them better than any professional because it's all true. It's happened to yes. them. They don't yeah. they've told it loads of times and it's funny. And also opinions are it because, you know, as we all know, everybody, if it's your team, you've got incredibly forthright opinions. We always feel that there's a certain side that are either our bitter enemy or that patronise us or do us down. And we're also all of it. Yeah, I mean, you and I have the same vintage, aren't we? And, you know, yeah, men are yeah. fine, this, like old cheeses, but old wines, basically. <laughs> oh, but, I'm a bit of a Stilton, me, I tell you. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I, I can get a wash from here. But yeah, um, thank you. It's that, it's that thing where there's also things I know that I'm going to, if I chuck something out, you know, it, it might appeal to somebody 35, which is the age of my son. If I chuck mm. other things out, I'm kind of across some of those things because my youngest daughter's 21. I've got grandsons as well. And because yeah. of that, you kind of think, I'm sort of maybe, like a lot of us, if you've got children, you're, you're yeah, more yeah. in touch with the things outside your own age bracket, if that makes sense, mm -hmm. which is important. Yeah. And football keeps... When I look at football, I'm thinking, Declan Rice, I'm looking at Declan, I'm thinking, I've got shoes older than you, mate. I've got underpants older than you, I'm probably wearing them. But that's what's great about it, because I'm watching somebody, my hopes and my dreams and my, you know, whether I'm going to have a good weekend or not, or a good week even, is yeah. based on a 19-year-old with all the temptations. And, and, that's, and that adds to the drama of football. That makes football such a kind of... It's, I, I, it's only live once, and it's unscripted drama, and it is yeah. magic. I, I, I must admit, I, I well, we got Luke Thomas, our left back, didn't have the best of game yesterday. Neither of us particularly like playing Blackburn Rovers, do we? Let's be honest. No, um, no. he's nineteen, and I actually did think that the other day. I was, I was going through some cupboards and getting some old papers out, and I was looking and thinking, he wasn't born then. <laughs> it's scary, but can I just say was, thank you? He wasn't bald. He wasn't bald when there was a Britpop row between Blue and Oasis, and that seems to me three, four, five years ago. That was getting on for thirty years ago. Now that's what's scary. Oh, it's when you've got to explain to your kids who who put up certain pop stars are. Mind you, I grew up in the seventies, so half of them we can't talk about anyway. I mean, the thing for the weird thing for me is, and you know, my kids are very switched on, but you know. I'll talk to them and their friends about the past. And mm. my third eldest daughter, Violet, a couple of times when she was first at uni, she said, well, Dad, tell them about, tell them about what it was like finding a pub in the 80s. 
And of course, when you take the kids these days, on a Sunday, you could only drink between 12 and 2 and mm. 7 and 10. You couldn't buy beer anywhere outside those times. You could only buy beer and wine from an offie, an off license. Yes. Oh, and by the way, on a Saturday, they really spoiled us. You could drink from 11 in the morning till 3 in the afternoon. Then the pub shut for two hours. Nobody knows what, why the flip they did that. And then they opened again from 5-ish until half to 11. And you think, that two and a half TV. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Away days are great, but when you can't play away, there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with Muck Delivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. At participating restaurants 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. channels, football, no, no, football never on the telly apart from FA Cup no. players, maybe the World Cup. It was yeah. like, it, that was like living, it, what a grey world that was, you know. But these days, what they meant was things that were, things that happened that were remarkable were much more precious yeah. to us because they were so rare. And yeah, that yeah, way, I think, definitely, definitely. that's what you said about YouTube. There's so much, there's so much access nowadays. They've got so much choice. Everything becomes almost like a level playing field. Yeah, yeah. Well, welcome to all our yesterdays. <laughs> Can I just? I've got to say thank you for saying something that I never ever thought I would ever hear anybody say, whether it be TV, radio, YouTube, that a service station ever can be called exotic. <laughs> I think you probably got different memories to me of some yeah. service stations. But look, you, you're a happy hammer. But are yeah. you happy at the moment? I mean, I, I, well, I, I must say, I think we, I think we've been. We were spoilt the last couple of seasons, and we yeah. earned that to be being spoilt. But we are—we're traditionally a team that, by Christmas, we normally worry about relegation. We're a team mm. that have had some good cup runs. When we won in '75, the FA Cup won in '80. I think a lot of us could be forgiven for thinking every five or six years we win the FA Cup, we get the League Cup. Hasn't happened like that for all kinds of reasons. The world's changed, football's changed. I mean, I still—I know I don't have to be changed, but I still bitterly miss um, Upton Park. We never, I never called it the Berlin Ground. I don't know where that came in from, but you know, I was yeah. there the final night. That was remarkable. Like, great show, but yeah. the London Stadium was fine, and things have to move on. But it seems to me that we've, we've never. I mean, we've had some amazing players down these. Paolo Di Canio is one of my favourites. I'm, I'm a, you know, I'm, I'm a child of the seventies like yourself. So, believe. I mean, I grew up. You could. It was a long. I could just about walk Truxton Park from where we lived in a place called Leytonstone. Um, so it's very much my area, yeah. and all, all the Essex corridors. The people that they're all they're all West Ham fans, but. It's that thing where it, it hasn't, I think, in recent years, it's only to be Golden Salad in the late David Gold, God bless him. Oh, well, Salad, I, I, I was going to say, actually, from all of us here, RIP for David Gold. Yeah. Um, I mean, you know, you know, and I, I interviewed him a few times on, about, he, he was very, did a lot for charity, he used to open his garden in a sorry way, you know, his back garden for charity twice, you know, that kind of stuff. But I don't think, and while Sullivan, I think he tried to trial for the club as a kid, and he's a fan, but actually, it doesn't seem to me that. That anybody's quite got West Ham. I think there's not that I'm begging for new ownership, although you know. But I kind of think we are. 
a bit like Leicester, there's a kind of football's about finance. There's a, there's an economic benefit there to be exploited, but more importantly, there's something about our clubs. People talk about the academy, and I don't agree with that. I mean, Sam Allardyce. People said they didn't like. He kept us up. He did a great job, and you know he's a great manager in that way. But I think there is something about aggression and flair. I think we're like Julian Dix meets Rudolf Nureyev. You know, we've got a psychopathic streak to us, and we've got a fairly we pride. It's, 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 it's a silly matter that we've got that whole kind of East End. You know, no one likes us. We don't care. Which Millwall, that's why yeah. us and Millwall was at Daggers Drawn because who's got the hardest fans? Well, no, people don't fight anymore. Thank God at football. But um, in that sense, we've got an attitude that's not been tapped into. Maybe it's not fashion. I think when we got fashionable, again, it was the nineties when that whole loaded lads mag thing came back. Oh yeah, yes. people started saying, you know what? It's all right to like things that are kind of fundamentally passionate and working class and not sanitised, and at times make you feel uncomfortable because you're. It's, you're getting a thrill that, you know, your life sums up. And for me, you know, my life's routine, humdrum job at times. I'm very lucky, I know, but, you know, driving in, driving out. What lifts you out of your current existence? Wonderful that is to the family, all that is sometimes only that sort of joy, expectation, disappointment, heartbreak, and the jubilation of football. And that's why, and the, and the lads made some that before they just became basically about showing the old whaps for the lads. They were quite an interesting departure, and it gave gave football a kind of credibility and a new lease. It, it did it for boxing as well. I mean, boxing is my second favourite yeah. sport. And boxing right. has been... There are questions about boxing, I know. Boxing's always had that kind of... It's dog going mad again. We're for sulfur about it and the kind of the match-fixing stuff in the past. And, but actually, you know, it's the old cliche, isn't it? They said for working-class people, certainly in the 50s and 60s in this country, three ways out of the East End, right? One was showbiz, one was crime, the other one was sports. And the sport tended to be, as an individual, boxing. And it wasn't just the East End, it's that, you know, working class all over the country. And we, you know, it's no accident that there are very, very few working class polo players and very, mm. very few aristocratic boxers. It doesn't work like that, life, does it? You, you, it's, no. it's the hardest game. You, you get into that because that's your way out. But also, it's a way of expressing yourself, of disciplining whatever aggression you've got. I mean, you know, the, the, the best boxers were people who you can imagine having would have taken a different path. That's what's coming about the film Rocky. You know, Rocky is mm. yeah. a boxer. He's also working as a, a loan shot and a, a leg breaker for the local mob boss, isn't he? And mm, that was the thing. Yeah. They were big because, but they could channel it into something much more positive. And and there's also a creativity about sport, I think, and about, about boxing as well. But football in particular, I mentioned Rudolf Nuri after we pretend you're a famous ballet dancer. But I mean, you see, I mean, you know, I'm thinking that, that I mean, God bless, you know, the first Fulham goal against Leeds the other night. That guy, I always want to call him Panini. You know the guy, but what a what a curious try that was! Yeah. Uh, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm you know I'm 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 in the early sixties now, right? I'm looking, I'm thinking, I've not seen a guy like that for decades, you know. And, and it's not my team. I've only got a dog in the fight, yeah. you know. Fulham, you know, I mean, okay, I, I like to think of them patronisingly as beneath West Ham and Leicester. They're not at the moment, are they? But you know what I mean? It's that kind of, they're they're, they're like a poor relation of London. They're like Palace and Charlton. But what a goal that was. And what, 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 what they brought together, which is what I want for West Ham, and I'm sure what you want again for Leicester. You know, we yeah. want that to see. And Brendan Rogers, lovely fellow though he is. David Moyes, lovely fellow, I'm sure he is. I don't know about either of them. I do wonder whether the teams have just stopped listening to an extent, even subconsciously to both of them, and whether they've heard everything they can hear from them. And they've, they've delivered what they can, and they need either a new injection of blood on the pitch or mm. a new voice in their ear to take us back to what we should be and to avoid the dreaded relegation. I mean, I've, I've, one of the, the, the fan channels that I chat with, um, West Ham Unofficial, it's run by Jake. He's 15, bless him. Lovely, lovely boy. But he hasn't really known 
obviously, you know, since he started supporting West Ham, um, sort of the old days, if you like. And yeah. he did a show the other day, and he really does want David Moyes out. How are you an in out? Because I mean, he came. I, mean, he no, I, 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 was, I was, I was very disappointed. To put it mildly, I was absolutely flipping furious when they brought in Pellegrini, who you mm. knew was going to be, you know, a bust. You know, just because his name sounds like a variety of pasta doesn't mean he's going to be any good. He was, he was heading for his, he was chopping up his pension fund in China. And they got lured Salmon and Gold and Brady by the or whatever. We got the David Moyes, who's done a fantastic job for us. And when he came back, he was obviously a hero. I still think he's got plenty to give the club. I do wonder whether I mean you never know what goes on at board level, you never know whether there's money that he needs to get hold of. But I am I'm 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 always in I'd rather there's a great um you probably know there's a, a guy who wrote in these warning times called Hilaire Bellock, a poem. And he wrote things like, you know, the cautionary verse for kids, right? And one of them was about Oswald or somebody who got eaten by a lion because he let go of the nanny's hand. He wandered off in the region's part, so he got eaten by a lion. And the end of that is, the moral of the story is, he says, always keep a hold of nurse for fear of finding something worse. Now, sometimes people, I think, I think, God bless him, I think Graham Potter, maybe, you know, if I was a Chelsea fan, I'd have reservations there. I don't have the same reservation about David Moyes because I also think, maybe you're in the same situation, who would replace him who'd be willing to do that job? He'd be any better. You know, and why would we divert money to pay off Moyes, to pay off Brendan Rodgers, you know, stick that money somewhere else for players or whatever, but I can't think of it yet. I mean, you know, be quiet, doggy. Come on. Come on. I think I know, I I as well. He doesn't like Leicester, he's saying to me. <laughs> Open the door, let him out. There he is again, look at him. What a beauty, eh, look. Oh, yeah, Leicester, he's, he's lovely. lovely, he's lovely. Hey, um, Beethoven. But, I mean... We, we know that, Brendan, because I look at West Ham at the moment and think you are literally like a season behind you had sorry, a couple sorry, of Chris, say that again. He's barking sorry. away, yeah? I look at West Ham and I sort of see a team that literally is almost mirroring us, but a season behind. You know, you had a couple of good seasons, you know, into Europe. Uh, now you're struggling. Oh, you, you mean in the in the Europa Conference, Matalan helped the Asian Charity Shop League? You'd have taken it if you'd won it. It's like the Inter-2-Bob Cup. The Johnson's paint trophy, but with the paint trophy. I know we're there, but I think that's that's been a distraction. I think think you look at it. Arsenal, okay, can only have benefited from their lack of commitment in Europe, I think, this season. And in that way, in that sense, for us, it's been another distraction. We've had injuries, we've had other problems as well. Mm -hmm. But, you know, so... But you're right, you know, we've, we've risen up and then I think, like... I mean, I think people thought that about Nottingham Forest, that maybe they were promoted too early. Steve Cook was a great manager. He's turned that around. But actually, there's a sense in which maybe what happened to West Ham was more than a mixed blessing. In the end, it was a negative. Because who wants to who wants to beat Genk or places that sound like a Ferrero Rocher flavour when actually we're worried about relegation in the rest of the league? We're, 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 you know, we're, we're, we're an English side. No, we're not mm. a European side. We're I, mean, I say that to my team at work, or my boss at work, the producer, Sam Stevens, who's a Man United fan. He comes from Wiltshire. Of course, he's a Man United well, fan. Um, but I say to him, you know, it's, I, I, I'm not, I, I'm interested in European football. I'm not passionate about it because we never had European football as West Ham fans when I was, when I was growing up. When I was, you know, it's almost an unknown. Why would I care about, why do I care about Real Madrid? Yeah, Real Madrid are good. So are Man United. I don't support them. I support West Ham. I want every other team to fail in Europe, but mainly in this country. Including, I do apologise, Leicester. No, 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 no. <laughs> we, we all, we're all the same as fans. Um, yeah. I've got to say... And we've got to the last, last game of the season, isn't it? It could be the decider. It is. It is. That could get very interesting. It's getting closer and closer. Um, I mean, when we won this thing behind me here, the, the Premier League trophy, we took advantage 
of the fact that we had we didn't have Europe. Yeah, you know, we we and everybody else was well. Tottenham imploded. Arsenal were being Arsenal. Liverpool had only just got Klopp in. Pellegrini was. Again, I, mean, I think I'm right saying wasn't it? I mean, old Pearson was your. He was the architect of that FA Cup. Which I oh, definitely. One hundred percent. But you, you, the season before the season of that, you were struggling against relegation, weren't you? We were. We were. So in that way, you were absolute, you're, you're the kind of you're the you're the you're the you're the, you're the kid from nowhere who just won the Super Bowl. You're absolutely yeah. motivated. The proof, actually, not only does the yeah. Premier system work, but actually. Dreams can come true, even if it ended in a nightmare with Gary Lineker showing me his pants. Well, <laughs> let's not go there. Right? Uh, you, you can't, take, the boy Lester. You. You can't yeah. take Lester out of the boy, can you? <laughs> exactly, exactly. He could have at least held a packet of crisps down there. But no, yeah. I mean, we did. <laughs> but yeah, Nigel Pearson, we, I mean, it was the great escape. Yeah, we were bottom for so long and then we had that fantastic run. That was the foundations on which Claudia Ranieri built. Um, whether that will ever happen again, I don't know, but I think it's given everybody. Then you, then you got hope. The FA Cup. I mean, I mean, yeah, yeah, you may well know him as Jeff Peters, huge Leicester yeah, fan, you know, yeah, yeah. Oh, I know Jeff, DJ yeah. as well. Lovely, really lovely, one of the nicest blokes you'll meet, Leicester yeah. fan through and through. And he was saying to me the other day, he comes on the show once or twice a week, he talks about the championship EFL games and obviously his beloved Leicester. Mm. And he said he would never have dreamt, even in his most drunken or euphoric or optimistic moments, that in his lifetime. Leicester would win the Premier League and the FA Cup, and yes. you think you, you you guys have had the gravy, you know. You've had, you've had the, and I'm I'm hoping it will continue for you guys because there are teams that none of us could ever say we like. I mean, you know, I wish yeah. nothing but ill to Liverpool and Arsenal because that's my generation. <laughs> Man United weren't as much of a pest. It was more Man City actually when I was a kind of teenager. But you know, so yeah. Liverpool and Arsenal is almost swear words in my house. I've got plenty of friends who are fans of both sides. Yeah, but you know, I can I can I appreciate. I mean, we all did. I got behind the joy of Leicester making it, except those matches when you played West Ham twice that season. You know, so in that way, we wanted we wanted the mould to be broken. We wanted that kind of clique to be yeah. destroyed. And in a weird kind of way now, don't tell anyone, I feel that a little bit about the returning resurgent Arsenal. I never thought I'd say it, but I'm kind of thinking, I hope Man City don't get it. Because, you know, five, six years ago, ten years ago, I said I don't want Arsenal to win it at any cost. Yeah, exactly. now I'm, thinking, yeah. Yeah. I'm now thinking, you know what? Let's, let's shake things up a bit. Let's shake things up. Let's keep Chelsea out of the top six, which would be lovely. Make Tottenham yes. drop down, get beaten by. I mean, I'm hoping. I'm hoping. I mean, by the time this is shown, it may have happened. But wouldn't it be lovely if Sheffield United knocked them out of the FA Cup? Oh, hey, hey. I mean, you know, they're, they're a long you way know, north. Um, you know. Do you think that could ever happen again? I mean, what happened with Leicester? It was remarkable. It was. I, I wish I'd put a bet on, uh, but I didn't. Uh, Five thousand one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, um, mind if I'd put a bet on it, they wouldn't have done it. I'm a kiss of death. But do you think that any club can do that? I mean, it's great. I love what Newcastle are doing at the moment. But like you say, I like them in a couple of years because they'll they'll have all the money. I think the thing that is, where it was a perfect storm for Leicester. Hindsight was perfect vision, but you know, other you know, you succeeded brilliantly. Ranieri was great. Pearson laid the foundations, but other teams were going through troubled times around you. So yeah. it was like every the playing field was more level. Now that will happen again. There will be seasons when I mean, who'd have predicted at the beginning of this season that the two teams um, that were going to be you know maybe favourites for the Premier League title and possibly having won the League Cup, the first domestic silver, would be Arsenal and Man United on their current form, recent form. Mm. No one predicted. Yeah. I know they're going to return eventually, but no one predicted Arsenal would be where they are. Nobody would really have said, well, League Cup and now probably more or less favourites possibly for the FA Cup, Man United. Which yes. is like going back to Fergie versus Wenger, isn't it? When you think about it, yeah. 
Well, when you when you look, I mean, just looking at the table now, in the top ten, you've got Brentford, Brighton, Fulham, yeah. all in the top ten. It's great yeah. because from a, I mean, I, I don't know whether you you go along with this, whether you're allowed to say this, but obviously clubs like Leicester, we always think of the big six mentality of uh, of Sky Sports and what have you, and they understand yeah. why because it's obviously the bigger audience and that's what pays their bills. Um, but it's great to see these little clubs, well, I say little, no disrespect to them, smaller clubs, non-top six clubs coming through and breaking. You did. I mean, last season, we were never going to win anything last season. We were down at the bottom again. Um, I was really willing you to get into that top four because if it yeah. can't be Leicester, I want another club or outside that big six to do it. That's why you're right. I mean, Thomas Franks is what miracles at Brentford. They're never yeah. going to be, I would imagine, Premier League title contenders in my lifetime. But, you know, a big cup win's not out of the question. And what they've done is they've shaken it in the way that Bournemouth did. I mean, what Eddie Howe has achieved at the yeah. remarkable. Let's not forget, not only did he pay for Bournemouth, he took them up through every level, didn't he? There were 17 I mean, points out. I think there was minus 17 points. Because yeah, when I moved down to Bournemouth, he'd literally just taken over. Yeah. I can remember yeah. the, the Bournemouth players outside Bournemouth Pavilion with buckets collecting money. They were that yeah. hard up. What he did was un unreal. He deserved as much credit for getting Bournemouth and keeping them up that season we won the Premier League as we did for winning it. But the, unfortunately, that story kind of cancelled that out. But, yeah, I, mean, but I, mean, I mean, I think there's an old saying, they say all political careers end in failure. By and large, all managerial careers end in failure. Yeah. Unless you are Fergie. And even oh, Baker yeah. was allowed to go up with a bit of grace and he won an FA Cup. Like, but... By and large, that's what happens. And I think it's back to what thing I said ages ago now, which is sometimes teams just stop listening. They think, we, we know what you're going to say to us. Other people are changing. You're not changing your message. They don't even articulate it like that. And that's why things, it's, it's inevitable. I mean, what Newcastle should be thinking the lucky stars for is that when Eddie Howe went to Celtic, he turned around in that car park and came back down south. Yeah. Because still think he'd be achieving what he's achieved with Newcastle now. On, yeah. You know, I mean, people people always mention Pochettino, like he's the great, you know, saviour. Well, he was great. He was great with Spurs in Spurs terms. Yes, he got into the Champions League final. He got into the final. They've been other, you know, it's that thing where you think, you know, it's that Newcastle got to the final of the League Cup. It's when you win it, he gets to the when you did it, when you made it, when you got Premier League Cup, when you got the FA Cup. That's there for all time, isn't it? I don't care that people say, oh. Yeah. You know, there are great players who've not won major. Harry Kane may never won a major trophy. Alan Shearer got the Premier League title. He would have achieved more at Man United. But he's, yeah, he, he was, but you know, he, would, he wouldn't have been the kind of Newcastle legend and the iconic figure he is. He'd have been, he'd almost, to an extent, even though he should have disappeared slightly into yes. Man United. That didn't happen at Newcastle. I, I, ca I can't believe that with my son, like I say, I, uh, who looks, supports Leicester, because we grew up here in Burnley when, when the kids were born. And I said, look, you can support Burnley because it's your local team. I understand that. You can support Leicester because your dad does. But you're not supporting Man United, Chelsea or, or any of those Liverpool just because they're on telly. But I can't believe that I've shared moments with him of watching us lift the Premier League. The quarterfinals quarter of the Champions League, the year that Wenger said we would be an embarrassment to English football. Yeah. And they lost 10-2 on aggregate. Winning, I was. I couldn't get a ticket to the FA Cup final. I'm watching it on telly. Final whistle goes, and thanks for VAR for that one. Because I mean, I'm sure Chilwell wasn't that a toenail offside if he was. Um, but we won it, and I had to turn away because I was crying. And my son started talking to him, he was stood next to me, and I turned around and he was crying, and we were just there. Yeah. 
I'm very sentimental. I was crying when Let's Go the FA Cup because it was an amazing, another paragraph in your amazing story. It's interesting you mentioned about you know, Wembley. I had tickets to see us be beaten in the FA Cup this century by Liverpool. Right? I didn't know we could be beaten. What's really appreciated, oh, in the end, I couldn't go because right? it was in Cardiff. I gave the tickets to me, dad and one of my brothers. But mm. we were there at the very first Wembley Cup final, West Ham. We got beaten by Bolton. We were meant to be, we won the right to be at the first um, final FA Cup final in the new Wembley Stadium, except the blimmin' builders, who I suspect were mainly from Leicester, didn't get their finger out. Wouldn't that have been a great bit of West Ham history? You're there for the very first World, uh, FA yeah. Cup in Wembley, and you're there again, you won the right to lose again in Italy, but at the, the, the opening of the new Wembley, didn't that, went to yeah. Cardiff instead and at Leeks, Leeks Soup or something. Yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you've got to blame Leicester. We get blamed for everything. I'm joking, um, I'm joking. I know, I know. I mean, since you returned to the Premier League, though, I'm just looking, you, you've had some really, I mean, you know, you had a 10th, a couple of, th well, 13th, 12th, 7th, 11th. Uh, I think you've never finished, well, 16th you had one season uh, down. But apart from that, you've I, I think, I mean, And you're right, but I think for us, it's always survival's enough. You know, I, I take, every season, I take 15th. I bite your hand off the 15th. We're a cup side. And that's what we've disappointed. We, we've not been, for whatever reason, managers have to feel like, you know, they've got pressure from the owners to get to European football because of the money. Even at Europa Conference, Matt Land helped the age of charity shop level we're at now. But in fact, you know, what the fans want is a victory. We want a trophy. You know, we want, we want silverware. And that's why Ten Hag is going to be, you know, the king of the red half of Manchester for the foreseeable because he got them that trophy. You know, yes. that's, and that's, that's we, we want, even Fergie, Fergie's the least sentimental football manager I can think of, an amazing guy, but he was, he was close to tears, if he wasn't in tears when they won the League Cup, understandably, yeah. and that's what, and I think that's what Leicester will always be now, you've got the Premier League title, you're the equal, in fact, Liverpool played catch-up with you, Liverpool have only yeah. just equaled you and Blackburn, haven't they, because they've, yeah. got, they've won the Premier League once, which is great. And, and um, it took ages to do it as well. <laughs> and, 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 and moaned and groaned about it, and you know, but but you know, yeah. I'm cheesed about Liverpool. But you know, that, that's the thing that you you you've always got that thing. You've done the FA Cup now. Now mm. we did it, but we did it 43 years ago. We do another one, aren't we, Chris? Yeah. Have a word. Come on. Well, yeah, but this was our fifth attempt at winning it. You've got to remember we yeah. lost four I before. And I, I remember that uh, West Ham Liverpool final. Uh, if two two things was um, Alan Pardew dancing on the touchline. Yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think anybody who saw it will ever forget. And of course, well, I mean, it's similar, similar to Ted Hogg doing his cog dance. Yes, indeed. Yes, yes. Unfortunately, he did win it, though. He did win yeah, it. Yeah, he, you didn't. And of course, it went on to be a Leicester great. Well, in my eyes, I got a picture of him up here with the uh, 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 sorry, the Championship trophy. Paul Koncheski's cross con goal. Yeah. Well, he still claims it's a. It was a shot on goal, but we we. we well, I, I never. Found, I mean, I'm going back a long way now. My mum and dad used to. Well, people said they took a paper, right? They're the Daily Express delivered, right? And yeah. on the morning of our cup final, when we beat the Arsenal, uh, the headline was it was Brian Clough being interviewed about West Ham, and he, he was being very rude about Trevor Brooking. He said floats like a butterfly, and he stings like one too. And Trevor got a goal that day. And I've never oh, forgotten that because that if even the great Cluffy can get it wrong, yeah. and people are drawn out to say things, but actually, but again, the fact that stayed with me is that yeah. the great quotes from Shakespeare and great lines from movies again yeah. shows you how important football is to all of us. You know, yeah, yeah. And I'm yeah. sure Cluffy, was, he probably only just said that, he probably dictated that with half awake or half hung over down the phone to somebody. 
But of course, we like to think that moment that gave Trevor the push. To, I think the ball bounced off his bum, actually. I think he scored off his backside, Trevor. Brooks, I can't remember now. You take it, though. You take it. Yeah, absolutely. You know. was, absolutely. It, was it Bill Gantlin that said uh, football's not a matter of life and death? It's much more important than that. Far more important than that. He also said, didn't he, when he said, um, what was he said? If, if uh, God had wanted football to be played in the area, he wouldn't have had any grass. He didn't like having <laughs> <it. He didn't laughs> like yeah. the ball in. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, I'm going to have to go and feed this dog in a second. He's going to start oh, no, that, I'm going to say, very, very, Last question. What are your hopes for West Ham this season? Um, survival mainly. I hmm. would... Um, it's going to sound very negative, right? I would love us to finish anywhere about 14th, 15th. I think it's a respectable end for us. Because, you know, yeah. we've had a, and I would love, if we're 15th, Chelsea and Spurs to be 14th and 13th. <laughs> Spurs, like, but I would love. I mean, again, not because I'm particularly. I used to, my uncle, late uncle John, used to actually Chelsea in the late sixties with Dave Webb, Eddie McCready, Peter yeah, Osborne yeah. was playing for them, Peter Benetti in goal. But actually, because they've had it so good for so long, and because they've got another multi-billionaire owner, and because it ain't working for them, let them eat some crow for a while. You know, let them. And it, again, and they'll they'll bounce back. They're going to be winning again soon. Yeah. And the last game of the season, you're my mate until then, and on the <laughs> last day of the season. I wish uh, you know you'd be going down. We wish you nothing but ill. Come on, you. <laughs> yeah, that. <laughs> Forget oh, yeah. that. It's all that. Nice, yes. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, you're a top man, mate. You really appreciate your time. Lovely yeah. talking to you. Go and have a go and sort your dog out. Lovely dog. Yeah. Thank you so much. Calm for down, doggo. Come on, say, come on, come on, you irons. I'm sure he's Bye, a less fan. <laughs> all the Thanks best. Up. Thanks very much. Take it easy. All the best, mate. Bye bye. Bye bye. Bye now. Bye bye. Well, there we go. Sorry about that. Just pressing a few to uh, a few buttons to try and end the show. And thanks to Paul. Like you say, if you listen to uh, Talk Sport or Talk Radio during the early hours, like you said, whether you're a drunk insomniac uh, like myself, uh, that's my excuse. Uh, <laughs> it's a great show, and it does go off football a little bit. But you know what? That adds to the fun of it as well. That adds to the fun of it. Um, but no, thank him very much for taking up his time. Um, he was a little bit late coming in because he overslept, but you got to forgive him when he does the uh, the graveyard shift. Uh, oh, what a lovely dog. What a lovely dog. I wonder if they had a thing of brandy underneath. You know, yeah. You were thinking that as well, weren't you? Thanks to everybody that's been watching. This has been a premiere. It hasn't been live. It has been pre-recorded. But thank you very much for tuning in and watching us live on Less Until I Die TV, uh, on YouTube and Twitch, or if you've been listening via your favourite podcast platform, uh, Less Until I Die. Thank you for lending me your ears. You can have them back now. I will see you very, very soon with another edition of The Conversation. Thanks once again to Paul Ross. Take care. See you later. Thanks for watching. These videos are tremendous. You'd better like them too or I'll be back. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Thanks for watching Lester Till I Die. This is Chris saying goodbye and see you next time.
it's the 90th minute. All your mates around. You've got your McNugget share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Automate delivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quinn's is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince, they exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.